0: Welcome to Ngahere Talks, the show where we talk about, nah, we don't even know yet. We're just trying to figure it out, but come along for the journey. This is season one, the pre-season. Kia ora everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number five, episode number five of Ngahere Talks, and today, I'm really excited about today because I have my best friend and my business partner, Bobby, Yuck. a.k.a. Melanie Lee Paikia-Tautalanoa with me today. Morning, Bobby.
1: Good morning. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, everybody.
0: Welcome to the show. I'm excited about what we're going to talk about today. Yes. Um, I think it's going to be a challenging conversation, but a conversation that, um, that needs to be had. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. But before we get into it, why don't we just share a little bit about our friendship, about how we grew up, how we our paths crossed and how we just realised that we were just meant to be good, good friends. You yeah. start us off, Bob.
1: Um, yeah, sure. I mean, I was born and raised in Sydney, Australia and um, lived there for... Um, most of my life, gosh, I can't even remember how many years—maybe twenty-three, twenty-four years—and um, then moved over to New Zealand um, in two thousand and two. Um, so I did all my schooling and growing up, and you know, in, in Sydney, Australia, and loved it. Yeah, you might sense a little bit of an Aussie accent, a little bit Australian. It comes eh? out every now and what then.
0: What kind of um, teenager were you?
1: A rebellious one.
0: Give us a couple of examples.
1: Um, I was definitely not a lover. I was a fighter for sure. I was just (laughs) always into mischief. Um, Used to get into heaps of shoplifting.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What did you used to steal? Chocolate? Eh? Everything. (laughs) Do you want to
1: know a funny story? Sure. One time we went, we went like, and we didn't even need to shoplift. We actually had. I'm sorry, mum and dad. We actually had everything that we needed. We were just. I was a little brat, but me and my cousin, we went to the shop department store we like filled our bags with all shoes and all kinds of stuff that we'd stolen and then we left our bags in the store and had the cheek to then go to the security and say oh we left our bags in the store and got it back and it was full with all their stolen stuff <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's next level mate brazen That's next level Stupid. did you ever get
1: caught um i was no i never got caught no but i was with my cousin when she got
0: caught Oh, yeah. man. But That was all good. That was enough. But anyway. Yeah. I, I um, was young and dumb. I spent uh, three years of my life in Palmerston North from when I was 19, 20, 21. Um, and there was a season of, honestly, it was only like a month where we had got into shoplifting. <laughs> and we got snapped at pack and save by a secret shopper <laughs> and got taken to the police station. Secret
1: shoppers are real things?
0: We were, and we were stealing hair dye. <laughs> Yeah, that's um, a classic. So she took us, they took us to the police station and we got printed and mugshotted and everything, but they gave us what they call diversion. So I still don't have a record, but it's one of those things. That I'm not, definitely not proud of it, but I'm not ashamed. Same. I'm not yeah. ashamed either. It's a funny story You do now. stupid things um, at different times in, in your life. What kind of
1: teenager were you?
0: I was a bit of a brat. Yeah. I was a bit of a brat. Um, I think I did rebel a bit. Uh... But I also, like, I still finished school. Um, I didn't make it through to uni, but I stayed in school. I had really good mates. Yeah. kind of kept me a little bit straight. But we were all mischief together, but not, not too much too mischief. We started drinking quite young. Yeah. At about 14, I think. So we drank a lot, partied a lot.
1: Was that normal?
0: Yeah, it was what we knew.
1: Yeah. Did so your parents up in know or did you do it sneakily?
0: uh sneakily at first when we were really young but after a while they knew yeah they were sweet as with it yeah my dad was always the one that you could call at any time of the night and he'd come and pick you up yeah regardless so that was always cool that's cool because they're just more worried about your safety yeah exactly so i grew up in rotorua um until i was 19 and then i moved to palmerston north for a few years and then i pretty much moved to auckland after that um going back to rates every now and then. What year did you actually move to Auckland? 2003 while well, the Americas Cup was on?
1: Wow. And we lost. <laughs> I moved to Auckland in have 2003.
0: 2003? 3. <laughs> <laughs> um so we um so that's kind of how it was. Uh both of our parents are still together. Yeah. Um which is we you know, only have quite, brothers, quite privileged, yeah. And I only have older brothers. You only have older brothers? Yeah, that's right. We're both the youngest, the only girl in the family. Um, and so we crossed paths. Do you want to tell that story, Bob? Um, about how you called me a slut. <laughs> that story. <laughs> if that's all you remember, that's all you can say. I just think it's that about story. About how you thought all. I was amazing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's that story. Um Because no, I actually had interacted with you a little bit before that, but not too much. And then, but that particular interaction um, did stick in my memory. (laughs) When um, in the photocopy room, I think at because we worked at the same place. Or were you working then, or were you? I was. I was a student. Still, just coming out of it though, I Yeah, yeah. And um, you found out that I had had a child when I was sixteen, and. Yeah, you were like, "Oh, what a slut!" <laughs> <laughs> and I must—I was so offended at first,
0: until I got to know
1: you, and then I was like, "Oh, yeah, no, that's just Manawa."
0: <laughs> and I remember offending you and being like, "Ooh, she's quite sensitive." <laughs> <laughs> but that's all right. You learn that throughout life, eh? That's yeah. not my first memories of interacting with you, but what? Are, what are yours? I just remember—I actually remember that your kids used to come to youth. Yep. Where I was a, a youth leader. Yeah. Um and then you were on staff. Um and you were the one of the very few brown faces in that staff environment. Yes. Um and then yeah, I just remember despite the fact that I was cheeky to you, I, th- I remember you being quite cheeky as well. We <laughs> have a lot yeah. of laughs and we would mock the other people that we worked with. And then we started like having lunch together.
1: do you remember that that time when we were at staff meeting and they were promoing that relationship series no and it was like they were promoing a relationship series and we were kind of just getting oh you may have just started on like working there yeah and um they were just saying you know to come if you were on staff come and then you were like leaned over to me and you're like are you guys going me and my husband and then i just looked at you and i was like oh no we're separated. And because no, I don't think hardly anyone knew then. And you just go, oh, awkward. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, and that cracked me up. It doesn't really come up in conversation. eh? like, well, yeah. By the way, like oh, did you know that me and my husband are separated? <laughs> like, that's right. I uh, do remember that. So that was how our paths crossed, and then our our friendship kind of just started to to blossom from there. And um, we might talk a little bit about. How that separation was for you eh Bob and yeah. and what that was like, I guess for me as well as a friend walking alongside you yeah through a, a tough journey and but we also found out that we fuck a papa back to the same back to the same place back to the same Tupuna and yeah um
1: I think that what we actually realized is that even though we had grown up so differently, like me being born and raised in Australia that really shaped a lot of who I was an M and am, um, and then coming back here, and you being born and raised in Rotorua, um, what we learn is that essentially is that there's so many likenesses, eh? Like we there's so many alignments, yeah, that just come back to where we fuck a papa back to, eh?
0: Yeah, totally. And how strong that is, like your parents grew up in Rotorua, in Aotearoa. Your mum in Rotorua, eh? Yes. And she raised, even though she raised you in Sydney, she raised you like you were raised in Rotorua. And I think that's <laughs> what buzzed me out. Because like, we were, as a, as a group of mates, we were cheeky, we were um, we were rebellious, we were active, we were, yeah. There's something about people that grow up in Rotorua, or any town, you, there's kind of characteristics that come with those people. And I think it does buzz me out when I met you that there was heaps of things about you and your ways that was like you had grown up in Rotorua, even when yeah. you grew up in Sydney. Um yeah, and one of the things I think I said in one of our YouTube channel our videos like that both of us just really enjoyed a cup of tea and jam on toast and <laughs> <laughs> It's a great snack or midnight just feast. That
1: just before.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So what are some of those things that, that you've learnt by being back here on on our um, I think I really appreciate there's so many beautiful
1: things about our people and our land, like our landscape itself is so beautiful our um, from its ruggedness to its peacefulness and our nature, all of that beautiful um, everything beautiful that our landscape has to offer here, yeah? the lifestyle, farno, um, like the how a, how a marae works and operates, and how everyone gets in and they pitch in and they they koha, and whenever there's something that needs to, you know, happen within the community, how that can when it's um when it's executed well, or when it's yeah when it's executed really well, it's just you can see how it just is such a beautiful natural flow, and how mm. we. Um, as people, we're such sharers of knowledge. we share through kōrero and teaching and time and um, not necessarily in a classroom where there's a someone that you know is dictating what you're learning. Um, I love how we are hospitable and um, how we appreciate music and all that that has to offer. There's so many beautiful things about our people but um i've also learned that there is a dark side to our culture as well you know that um i know that yeah there is a darkness to our people as well that is really saddening that i know i have experienced
0: personally and you too cool so that's a really cool like segue away, i think into what we really want to talk about today which is i guess one of the one of the many heartbreaking things that we see happening on our finua and aotearoa um Which is family violence. And so we're going to take a real short break and then we're going to dig um, a whole lot deeper into that topic. (laughs) See you guys soon. Looking for a cool space to work or a legit venue for your next event? Everything you need is here at Tehau Monaco. Located in the heart of Monaco City, a hop, skip and a jump from the Monaco bus and train station. We've got super fast Wi-Fi, coffee machine, great people and an awesome vibe. Book online at www.teha.nz. Let's go to Teha or Monaco. Kyoto, welcome back everybody. So um we we spend a little bit of time getting to know myself and, and Mal a bit more and where we come from. And stuff, But we really wanted to touch on this topic today of of family violence and just touch on it. We're not going to go too deep. But um, we were just looking before on the RUOK website and some of the statistics. Um, So in 2016, uh, almost 120,000 reports of family violence were reported to the police. But at the same time, the estimation is at 76% of family violence incidents are not being reported. So um, that 120,000 reports is 24% of, report, of yeah. violent incidents happening in families in Aotearoa every single year. Um, and it's horrible. It's a it's a horrible thing. And so many of our whanau, unfortunately, are dealing with family violence in lots and lots of different ways. Um, I guess one of the... The key things for me is whenever I look at social issues or any kind of issue, I always want to look at why. Like, why is it happening? Yeah. Like, why do you think it is that there is this epidemic, this disease, this, like, plague of, of family violence in Aotearoa? Oh, that's a deep question. I don't know
1: hugely why. I think that there's a lot of contributing factors. Um, I think that... Um, What I've found really disturbing is the lack of reporting, the lack of talking about it. Mm. And I think that the more that's one way that um, we can promote it a little bit more is by having these conversations. Mm. Um, I think that uh, by having bringing these topics into the light and making it easier to talk about, then it can make people feel a little bit safer, perhaps to share their own Mm. journeys or um, I don't know. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that it is partially from, or a big part of it is from the fact that we're colonised. Yes. And that there was the violence that came. Yeah, there was already violence beforehand, but there was a different type of violence and oppression and uh, almost genocide that happened to our people that still has a generational echo. Yeah, And there's still, uh, there's been generations of people that were taught um, or... I guess just ingrained in them that who they were, their identity as Māori wasn't worth anything, that they weren't allowed to speak their language, that they were allowed to be treated in ways that were inhumane, um, that alcoholism and addiction started to come in um, and their families just started to lose their way. And then it's been generations now, um, so generations of kids growing up without fathers, generations of kids growing up in violent families. Yeah generations of kids growing up where you don't talk about things. Um, even now to this day, that I find myself in environments where you're not supposed to talk about that stuff. Don't talk about it. Just keep it quiet. Keep it hush. Keep it under the under the mat. And if you talk about it, then you're just a shit stirrer, you know, like you're just trying to make trouble for everyone. Yeah. And there's so there's all of these kind of ingrained um habits, but then also fears that I can see that families are living with and stigmas as well. Yeah, How embarrassing sure. it is to say, this is happening in my family this is happening to me i'm putting up with this yeah
1: yeah for sure i do agree i think that colonization is a a huge part of mm. why um we are where we are what do you think what do you think bob would help change that
0: what for our people like it?
1: for our people specifically how do you think we can start flipping
0: yeah, yeah. I think talking about talking it, it. Is, is key. I think bringing um, and providing safe spaces where people can talk about it. I mean, it's hard. It's really hard because of the things that the things that people have to go through, and the relationships that exist because it's so tight knit, and there's children involved, and it's it's always super complex. So you do have to be careful about how you talk about it sometimes, and who gets to talk about it with who. So there needs to be safe environments for that to happen. I think the, the whole system, um, and I think you've got some cool, not cool, but some really like vivid stories around how the system um, isn't very good um, in helping victims of yeah. of violence. Um, so there's heaps of work to do around there. I think from, from experience in my whānau, um, just because you talk about it Honestly half the time it's like people don't even believe you. Yeah. And so you have to go through this whole almost humiliating journey of having to continue to spell it out until someone finally believes you and then until they build, build up enough evidence to prove that it was was actually that it actually happened. So that whole traumatic experience I think is something that definitely needs to be improved. And then I think just a, a huge investment in particularly in the MEN in and Aotearoa who um yeah, who haven't had role models, who are suffering, plain and simple. I mean, then you look at the suicide rates alongside it and the amount of Mori males that are committing suicide is really terrible as well. Like, they can't find a way out. Yeah. Um, and I like how Mike King sums it up, how he thinks there's just three ways, three reasons why why people commit suicide. Either, um, either they're hurting, or they're being hurt, or they're hurting others, or <laughs> I can't remember the third one. We can look it up, but he kind of sums it up in three different, three different reasons why people commit suicide and why they just lose their hope. So it's a bit of a, bit of a side dig, but that's kind of what I think. I mean, how much of how much of your experience do you feel comfortable in sharing in this kind of context?
1: Yeah, I mean, I like you mentioned, I've um had to deal with the system, um, mm. and you know it, it's. While I I feel like the system wants to help, um, it's not geared up enough to actually help. Mm. Yeah, I f- I felt helpless. Yeah, in my own situation, yeah, I did. I felt helpless. I didn't feel like, um, I did at first. I felt like I would be safe if I would call the police. I'd come, but then after my first couple of encounters, I I didn't mm. feel like actually they could help because and not you know they're probably over resourced it's not to have a go at the police at all but it was just um yeah it was I just like that's all I can sum it up I felt helpless Mm. my like my hands were tied and (coughs) I just had to deal with what was dealt to me pretty much until it got so severe that they would actually take notice like it was going to take something really dramatic Mm. For them to actually think that oh uh, yeah this is this is legit, you know
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely, I mean, and it, it's unfortunate aren't you, that it has to get so bad, yeah, before something can be done about it, and I think that's that's where we really need to make some changes. I One of the other stats we looked at was how fifty percent of partner violence deaths occur at the time of separation. At that real like climactic point, eh, where emotions are running wild and
1: yeah, yeah,
0: and hopelessness and comes in.
1: People aren't thinking straight. Mm. Yeah, it's um, it can get really dangerous. Um, yeah, definitely for sure. And even like even if I think about outside of my own experience, just within my fano, um, how if I think about my own childhood, how it was quite minimalized. Mm. Like it was spoken about, like everyone kind of knew that, oh yeah, he beat her or, but no one, it was just a a common known factor, but nothing was ever done beyond that. Mm. And it it was just, yeah, quite, quite minimalized. like, oh yeah, that's, that's, or normalised even. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's just what happens, eh? Yeah. Oh Oh, well, she
1: shouldn't have got lippy or.
0: Yeah. Oh, (laughs) he's a bit angry Just stay away for a little while. Yeah, he just um, had a couple of too many beers. That's yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, And it's just kind of accepted. Yeah. Um. So it there justifies
1: it. It normalizes it. It minimizes the impact for the victim. Mm. You know, if, if, if there's children there, all of those things.
0: Yeah, it's crazy, mm-hmm. eh? And it is such a. I mean, I really like that the government now has put um put together that special commission around family violence. Yeah. Is it a commission? Uh, they commissioned a. Um, Ministry, or anyway, something like that. They're putting a lot of focus into it, into uh, our well-being, into mental health, and all that sort of stuff. Because it's crazy how um, I think it's credit to uh, like tourism, New Zealand, and and all of that for put portraying Aotearoa in such a positive light for economic gain. Um, <laughs> but then alongside that, like there's so much going on in our country that is really really heartbreaking like those statistics like uh, suicide statistics like poverty statistics um things like that and unfortunately they have become more associated with our our people than anything else yeah um and yet we are we're always on a journey and we're improving and until and maori is getting stronger and stronger and what we talked about in episode four with Dan about how there has been a wealth transfer now and so now generally across Aotearoa, Māori are in a better financial status at least at, at, iwi, at iwi level um, but there has to be more than that, it's not just about the money, there has to be, uh, we were talking about knowledge transfer but I also think health um, and as a people to get our health back and that comes from our identity and our connection with this whenua yeah um and re reinstating i guess a a strong um bold courageous pioneering like spirit that our ancestors brought over here with them yes yeah what else should we touch on here bob
1: um one thing i did learn is that our women are strong mm. yep. our women are, are strong and our women are resilient as well. And I think that if we um, continue to have these conversations, then, you know, we need to flip it from, like you said, Bob, of, of where the um, if you talk about something like this, then how the whanau looks at you like you're the troublemaker, mm. how we need to to flip that over.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I can even say, like, right now I'm thinking – there's a lot of things that I could say right now, but I I do have my family, my whanau <laughs> in my ear, and I can imagine all the things that they would say if I was to say a lot of stuff. But you know what? I can share my own experiences, and and I think both of us have shared our stories on, on Life TV. Yes, we um, have. You can look that up, life.tv, maybe? Lifetv.co. Life TV just dot .co, dot co. Yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of stories on there. You can look up both Mel and myself where we shared a bit of um, – Our past and some of the tough stuff that we've had to deal with. um, But also what make us strong and resilient as well. Yeah, yeah. As women. Yeah.
1: What do you love most about being Māori?
0: About being Māori? Yeah. What do I love most about being Māori? I honestly think... I love the fact that we have a really strong connection to our whakapapa. I think more so in recent years, the fact that I have... um, tupuna, that I have ancestors that have gone before me that I feel really connected to and that just hap- I think happened through my grandparents forcing that connection well not even forcing, just being connected to me as I grew up and them always teaching us about their parents and their grandparents and my grandfather always making sure that we knew our Papa all the way back as far as we could recite really um, but I find that that and probably in the recent year, two years, that that's really come out for me. That connection and knowing that there's all those people that are standing behind you and encouraging you and been there before and probably had to had a harder whack than we did mm. as far as the 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 years that they lived in and the things that they had to deal with. Um, and so you can stop that's moaning. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah I do think That's a beautiful that. um um like Tonga that you mm. gave to you. Eh. Yeah, yeah, it is. And then our connection to the whenua, I think that's amazing. And just knowing the, the natural world as well, not just the whenua. Um, The taiao uh, to the moana to, you know, tawhiri and what's happening and what he's up to in, in the atmosphere and all of that and just acknowledging that we're a part of an incredible creation.
1: Mm. Yeah,
0: We're not an accident. We're yeah. not, um, and I love that from the teo Māori perspective as much as I do from a biblical perspective. Yeah. yeah. What about you? I think that
1: what you said—the connection to the Whenua. Mm. i can honestly say that I would hear people say that before and be like, I wouldn't understand what that meant. Mm. Um, I can, I look, I feel like my learning is is just, even though it's happened, it's still like it. It's you know, there's so much more to learn. Yeah, but yeah. I think it's such a, it's a beautiful thing, and it's, um, it's rare. So many people don't have that gift to actually be raised on the land that is their land mm.
0: yeah oh 100% and I do think we take it for granted sometimes yeah so that I yeah. really have a deep
1: appreciation
0: for that yeah awesome all right I think we're going to wrap it up there Bob that was awesome that was a really good start we um we're keen to see how these kinds of uh resonate with people and whether or not we should can continue to do some of these like harder topics or yeah. these harder um i feel like we just scratched the surface on this one but it's a good start so um thanks for thanks for joining me today bob thanks bob and it was uh, great cool we'll catch cool you guys cool. soon Turn it to me, Thanks so much for listening in. We hope you enjoyed it. We'd love to hear back from you. So why don't you connect with us? Look for us Ngahere Communities on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. We'll see you next time on Ngahere Talks. Kia pai tora.